I do call pitches, but I let them shake. They got to be 100% confident um, kind of in that. But during the game, you won't see me uh, interact too much with the guys. Uh, we ready for war. Never back down. Give me some more. We came for the title. Killing the game. Get on the rival. No mercy for rivals. This is for glory. Welcome into another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. Hope you're doing well wherever you're listening. It's been crazy. Transfer portal is is officially open, and man, I, I would tell you what, I never have seen so many kids. It seems on Twitter posting that they're in the, in the portal. Um, I've, I'm currently working with several players who are in the portal and, and helping them find homes. Um, I I only take ten players at a time, so right now I'm at I'm at eight players. So. I have two spots open if anybody out there is is looking for help um, in the transfer portal and and just understanding how the process works, talking with college coaches, trying to find the right fit. So if if you're out there and you need feel like you need help in the transfer portal process, send me an email, jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com, and I'll see if I can help you. In today's episode, we have Aaron Hilt on the podcast. Aaron just completed his second season at Eastern Michigan University as the pitching coach. Previously, he was at Ashland University. In back-to-back years, so the last two years, in each season, they broke the strikeouts. So he's the pitching coach, back-to-back years, broke the strikeout record at Eastern Michigan, um, had their first winning season since 2011 this, this past year in 2023. And I say all that, because unfortunately, Aaron and the entire staff at Eastern Michigan was let go. Again, it's a little bit weird just because it was their first winning season, 2011, and and Aaron obviously the pitching they did they did their job. But I'm I'm saying that because if there's any head coaches out there or anybody listening who who needs a pitching coach, I I think you definitely need to at least interview Aaron. I think he. And he's not somebody that I've known for years and years. This podcast episode was the very first time we've ever talked. But when you're someone who has has interviewed and talked to hundreds and hundreds of college coaches, uh, you kind of you understand who's who and and who's the real deal and who's not. And Aaron's definitely the real deal. So I would I would definitely reach out if you need a pitching coach um, across any level of college baseball. So in today's episode, Aaron talks about his own process for for developing pitchers, the recruiting process, and then he also really digs deep into his system and process for helping pitchers with the mental side of the game, which I thought was really cool and fascinating, and Aaron's got a, a really good background in that, dating all the way back to his days at Ashland, so... Hope you enjoy this one, Aaron Hilt. Again, make sure to reach out to Aaron if you you are interested in, in talking with him more. I'll put all of his contact information and his resume in the show notes, so you can have access to to any information you need. And gonna try and hopefully land him a spot soon. Here we go, Aaron Hilt. This is the future. This is my time. I grind and shine. I put in the work and push the line. All right, we now welcome on to the podcast, Aaron Hilt. Aaron, appreciate you coming on today. Uh, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to do this. So I know you just you've been a pitching coach now for a long time, um, but you you know recently you've been at Eastern Michigan for the past two years, and you guys have put up, put up some really good numbers from the just strictly from a pitching standpoint. What's what was the biggest transition? Would you say from coaching at the Division Two level versus to the Division One? Because 
previously you were at Ashland, associate head coach there. Then you went up to Eastern Michigan. So like, take me through like, what was, what was the difference? If any, like, did you have to make any adjustments from a coaching standpoint? Right. There wasn't a whole lot of difference um, from a coaching standpoint. You know, you have, you have your principles, you have what you believe in, you have what you preach and what you teach. So you take that system. I was fortunate to have, you know, my seven years coaching experience with a hall of fame coach and John Shally at Ashland. He's won over 1200 games and I also played for him. So kind of take some of our standards and values that, that we already had, you know, I just brought that to Eastern and the biggest I think difference between division two and division one was really trusting myself and kind of self-worth. Like, am I good enough to do this? I didn't play there. Um, I didn't have the pro ball experience at that level. So I was like, is this stuff that I have learned in the past going to work? And um, you got to believe in what you're teaching. You got to come off confident. So that's what I had to do. Um, I didn't know, but I was confident in myself and I, put everything on the line and, and everything I've learned. And that's what I taught. So there really wasn't a difference. It was just more of trusting myself. Can I do it? And I think, you know, some of the stuff we've done the past two years that have, have shown, you know, the success on the field. So what does that look like? like what, what was some of the stuff that, that you do do with, with players from a development standpoint, coaching standpoint, just everything. Yeah. The player development is usually the key aspect of it. And you're going to have to look at, you know, three different areas. You're going to have to look at, you know, arm health um, with their athletic training staff. You got to look at, you know, just overall strength with the strength and conditioning coach. Then you're going to have to look at kind of what you do throwing wise. Then you got to align all those, those three things. Do you have those resources? So going from division two to division one, I had a lot more um, resources doing that um, kind of division two, I had to wear those hats. I had to do the mobility. I had to coordinate a little bit more strength and conditioning and I had to get that in line with what I was throwing Where division one, we were able to do a lot more as I had a full-time athletic trainer with just our sport. I had a strength and conditioning coach that would be on the field with us doing a lot of things. So that made it a lot easier. Um, you know, a lot of things that we have done is we go through full body screenings, um, that's what the athletic training staff and you got to make sure, you know, my goal at every recruit, you got to keep you on the field. And we start with that. So we see if there's any red flags, is there any you know, hamstrings, thoracic rotation, internal, external rotation. We, we partnered with the university of Michigan and did ultrasounds looking for fluid, any micro tears like, and with player development, you got to monitor it. So I was fortunate to have, you know, those personnel to help me go through that. We did a developmental profile, on a Google Doc, very simple, and they would update it. So it's not just doing something to do it. You know, we would screen every six weeks, and our athletic trainer would go through that. They'd go in there, go through the screenings, and we'd see if they'd develop. They'd flag it red, green, or yellow. we start with that, and then we'd see what he failed, whatever he did, and we'd come up with a plan for them to work on that in the athletic training room. After that, you would take what they failed and put that into with our strength coach. He would look and say, hey, we need to be – you know, more flexible here. So they would customize kind of their, their mobility warm up and some of the things they did in the weight room based off the screen. Um, we implemented velocity based training with some of the technology that we used in the weight room. Um, that's probably another topic, but you know, that goes hand to hand on developing the guys and that goes based off of what happened in the athletic training room. So they go from there to the weight room and from the weight room, you know, we got to have them strong, got to have them, you know, fast, got to have them being able to move weight. 
And once they get to that, then they come to me. And basically, I, I'm pretty flexible with a lot of stuff. Uh, I want to win. So, you know, long toss, weighted balls. We go through a lot of that kind of stuff. But ultimately, I give you know the guys a lot of say in what they do. And uh, we would just kind of say, hey, try this, try that. Does this work? Does it not work? And whatever is best for them, deliver the best product on the field. So, kind of how you would you, know, you would handle that that developmental stuff in a, in a nutshell, right there. What were some of the the changes that you saw once they you know you, you said you you would they would flag it green, yellow, red for the players who are maybe red or yellow? What were some of the the changes that you saw once they fixed you know whatever issues they had? Like what what were they able to now do and perform better as a pitcher? Right. There was no secret with it. Um, usually the freshmen come in, there's a lot more yellow and red. So we want to make sure that like we could show it when you came in, you started here and you got to here. And then this is how we did it. Um, but what I would see the most is it, it was more of I feel better. I am stronger. Um, it didn't directly correlate to instant velocity or instant performance, but it gave them the tools to be in a position to be a, you know as successful as possible. But yeah, mainly with the, with the incoming guys, once we got their hands on them and got them on a mobility program and got them on the strength and conditioning program, they would see those results, but they would see it because we recorded it and we updated it. You know, a lot of programs, kind of what I did at Ashton, I had to wear a lot of hats, but I couldn't get those numbers constantly up to date. Like I had help to do that and say, hey, go meet with Cam. Is your sprint time? Is your fly time, you know, getting worse or better? Is it, and we had force plates. Is your jumps? Is your, is Everything that you're doing is it getting better, and they could kind of take that workload off my plate, and we can all get together and look at it and make sure they're developing. But that's what you would see. But you would they would see it more because they could see it. They could see themselves developing, and they would believe it a little bit more because they physically had the data in front of us, and we had some tech that we would use, and we had you know everything with with Luke in the athletic training room to to show these guys what what they were doing. Is there a, a common? red flag or yellow flag that you saw amongst a lot of the pitchers? Yeah, it's usually going to either be either too flexible or not flexible. That's the first thing. So it's either going to be a stability program or it's going to be get a, get a, you know, a flexibility program. The next thing is going to be the range of motion in their arm, depending on what they did and what time of the year. That's one thing we really try to keep track of. And that was really big for kind of the winter break throwing. Um, usually summer, depending on what they did, if they didn't do a whole lot, they come in and the range of motion would be, be less. And we had kind of some target goals on where we wanted that to be. And by monitoring that for the past two years, I could see this is where you were last fall, you know, fall when you got here, this is where you were this fall. So if we have more, more range or less range. So we got to, you know, monitor how we're going to on-ramp you, you know, before we throw you in the games, because, Hey, your range of motion is not there. And that's the same thing for the winter. Like we send them home with the throwing programs. And I made them send me videos. I made them fill out a Google sheet. But, like, did they actually, you know, do the work? So the screening eliminates all that, you know, if they're going to lie to you, if they're going to try to cut corners. Um, so that's kind of how we would do that. And you got to keep it all in one file so you can see, hey, this is where you exited with your range of motion. And we're talking kind of just more in start with your arm. Um, but it highlighted everything. We did hamstrings, ankles, thoracic, um, you know, kind of lower back weighted breathing. We looked at kind of the rib cage and things like that. Um, but – We'd have that, and then we did you get better over break? Did you not get better over break? And you just say, hey, here's your here's your screening. Um, so we got to either get back to work and to make sure we're preventing injuries because if they didn't have the range of motion when their body wasn't where they needed to be when they're performing at their peak, we had to get them to do that before we can put them through any type of on-ramp throwing program. Mm. 
how many guys would you say when, when they're when they're at you know playing for you or pitching for you at Eastern Michigan, Ashton, like wherever that you're they're focused on trying to improve velocity versus they've already got the velocity checked and now they're you're trying to just make them a better pitcher. Right. I think that goes back to to recruiting and building your program. Um, you have to, you know, kind of sit down and say, hey, how are we going to build this program? Do we need to win now? Do we have time to develop? Are we going to be a velocity program? And I think it goes back to what is your strength as a coach? Um, so some coaches say, I'm going to be a velocity guy. I guarantee I'm going to put five to six miles per hour on you guys. Some coaches say, I'm going to be a command guy. You would have to look kind of at your staff and see what resources you have. Do you have technology? Do you have the weight room? Do you have, you know, the screening ability with, with athletic training? And then that kind of leads you to answer that kind of question. Um, some guys, I like to recruit guys that were different. And if you had something different, you know, you were kind of a guy for me. Were you tall? Were you short? You know, do you have a breaking ball? Do you have a change up? Um, so I had a variety. I wasn't a cookie cut. Like these, this is my typical kind of guy, six, six, 93. And, you know, with a hammer, um, everybody wants that guy. Um, I've tried to figure out what makes guys different. Cause that's, I think that's how I coach. Um, so, yeah, I had a lot of guys with velocity, but I think I taught more um, with off speed and, and spinning the ball. If you could spin the ball, I feel like I could help you with velocity. And that was more because I had the programming with, with, with the athletic training screenings and with the, you know, the weight room development program that they're just going to come in eat better and have more, you know, help to get better. And that's where you would see the velocity. So if that kid came out there and, and it didn't matter what he was, left-handed, right-handed, tall, short, big, small, and he could spin it, you know, that immediately, uh, you know, caught my eyes. So I, I like guys that could spin it, sink it, and uh, this would be a little bit different. Velocity was maybe second nature and kind of our program. Um, I took, you know, maybe more of a command and strike zone approach um, for my typical kind of guy, but that was my strengths. That's what I did as a player. That's kind of what we did as, as a, a staff at Ashland. Um, you can see kind of our track record with the strikeouts, you know, off or off speed is kind of where you're swinging miss stuff is. Um, so that's what we, we kind of highlighted and that's kind of what my identity and that's what I use moving forward. What about changeups? How many guys come into college not having a good changeup versus guys who who come in? Or maybe I should say, when you're out recruiting, are, is that something that you're looking for guys to to already have too as a changeup before they get to you? Right. So you usually get two categories of guys. You usually get a guy that either pronate or or they cut the ball. It's very rare you get a guy that stays true twelve twelve behind the ball. So if a guy has a sinker arm side run, they tend to have have a changeup. If you know, he cuts the ball a little bit. They're tending to be a little bit better, better slaughter guys. So you got to recruit to what you need. If, if you have a bunch of power breaking ball guys, then you got to go out and find you a guy that can sink it and have some change up. So that is how you build a collective staff and how to, you help win. It's not just going to be kind of that one cookie cutter way I was talking about where I'm a little bit different. Like I want guys that are that can do different things, you know, left-handed, right-handed submarine, sink it with the change up, spin it with the, with, with the, with the breaking ball. So, um, there isn't kind of one more than the other. It's just you want to be balanced and you want to be able to say, I'm in a situation and this guy, the data tells me this guy struggles with a changeup. You got to be able to have a guy in your bullpen that has a pretty good changeup. Um, you know, we always go to the pitcher strengths, but because the report says he's weak on a changeup and it's his fourth pitch, I'm probably not going to throw it. I'm probably going to make that change. So you got to be able to have that dynamics um, in a staff. So, yeah, I had guys 
that had some good changeups and I had guys that had some bad changeups, but I also had some guys that were really good sliders and they didn't have a changeup too. So that's something that they pay us to do is try to teach these guys that this is what we got to do. But that's that's the technology thing. You get them on the slow motion camera, you see if they're cutting, you see if they're sinking, you profile them and say, hey, you're going to be more of a breaking ball guy, you'll be more of a changeup guy. Understand your arsenal, you know, you're going to go one's fastball, two's going to be your slider, three is going to be your changeup. We need to get, you know, your slider elite and then keep working on that changeup. Make two great pitches and then then get to that changeup. Don't try to tackle everything at once, man. Do what you do well and then we'll, then we'll keep going on that. So that's that's how I would I would, would build that staff around around that question. What's the what's the piece of of technology or tool that that you think helps pitchers the most? Like, is it the slow motion camera because they can visually see it? Is it you know looking at uh, maybe you know vertical break and 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 how much their ball is moving? Like, what would you pick? What would be the one piece of tech that you feel like helps players the most? Yeah, everything I think technology-wise from our experience or my experiences, I come from Division Two, and then uh, I come from a mid-major. We don't have as many as the whistle and bells as, as some of the bigger schools, so I'm not very familiar with, with track me. I did, I did an interview in January with the Chicago Cubs, and that was one of the things they asked me about, and I was like, hey, that's not my strength. Um, you know, if that's what you're going to be, I, I don't have a whole background in that. Um, where we used and where I've seen technology implemented the most um, would be yeah, I have the slow motion camera, but it's, it's not an Edgertronic. It's a Sony um, RX10 um, that we got for like two grand, but it slows it down enough. So you got to be able to see what you're doing and you can be able to zoom in, zoom out and kind of see where the wrist is, see the, the spin on the ball. And we kind of would utilize that and then, you know, record and document where you were in the fall, winter, um, and sit down and kind of do some of that. But I think you really got to see kind of what you're trying to, to teach. Um, but the tech that we use the most would be in the weight room. Now, I think the weight room and the training room is is 100 percent, you know, you don't have that stuff. You're not going to be a good pitching coach. It doesn't matter how good you are. If their bodies ain't ready, if they ain't strong, if they ain't moving fast, um, it's going to be tough to implement a lot of things that you want. And we used a lot of uh, tech in there with with some of the new stuff that we did the past two years at Eastern. That was probably my biggest growth as a coach was being able to have that resource um, with the perch fit infrared cameras and really dive into um, kind of velocity based training and how they, they, they measure how fast they're moving and thresholds we want these guys at and instant instant feedback on good reps versus bad reps. So they weren't able to cut corners. But um, we used a lot more tech there um, from my experience at Eastern than anything on the field. On the field, it's simple. And you can do that with an iPhone camera. We just bought a little bit fancier camera, but you, know, you got to see it. But everything from a developmental standpoint came from off the field. A lot of the stuff on the field is just, hey, you know, kind of roll the ball out there. If you've got a good athlete, he's going to do what you need to do. You just kind of give him tips. You know, good players make great, great, great players make good coaches. So, you know, that's kind of, you know, where we go with that. Yeah. No, one, one of the things I heard a few years ago was like, if you want to be a good coach, hang around good players. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of speaking what, what you want, what you were talking about a little bit right there. In terms of the, the, uh, VBT, what what was the biggest thing for you that that you thought it helped? Like for me, I've never used it, but I can imagine it's just it, it gives instant feedback to players right away. Where it's like, hey, I'm not pushing myself the the way I need to be right now. I'm feeling lackadaisical or whatever it may be, or or maybe giving them even more encouragement or motivation that like, hey, they are getting better. That's kind of how I would see it. But but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, the way it works is um, it, 
every coach is always trying to make things more competitive. So it gives you something instant. And it, and again, it records and updates. So you have everything into an app. When you get to your weight rack, there's an iPad and there's a camera on every rack. And the camera is going to tell you if you had a clean rep or a false rep, a light up green or red. And it records that. It goes through the range of motion. It also goes through what, what speed threshold you want. If you want to be moving it at a point four, it'll let you know that's where you're set at and it's going to light it up. So you can see if a player's had um, a rough day. Maybe he had a tough test. Um, he had a personal issue you know, with his girlfriend or family, and he just wasn't performing that day. Or we can look at, hey, this is day after throwing. He threw 100 pitches the day before. He's not moving as well today, so he didn't recover as well last night. So it gives you endless possibilities of, of based on how their body's moving that day. And what it also does, it gives you updated live feeds so you can compete. You can see who's three racks down and, you know, Aaron Hilt's moving on the trap dead barlet at this pace today at this weight. So he's, he's, you know, in first place right now, you know, based on the, the algorithm and formula of what that translates to. So you're always competing with it. We had TV screens in the weight room and it puts it up there, gives you live feed and it just kind of makes them not cut corners, makes them push each other a little bit, uh, makes you, it holds them accountable without having to really, you know, be in their face and be like, Hey, we got to go. We got to go. You just say, Hey, last week we moved this. This week you're way behind. Like, what's going on? And then sometimes that taps into that personal stuff. I didn't eat today, or I had I was up late cramming for a test, or you know I had something personal going on. So you can kind of relate to the guys a little bit right there just by having that data. And it's just a simple lift. It's nothing crazy. It's nothing you know groundbreaking, but you, you can use that as a tool just to, to tap in because you care for your players. You know, if if they don't see that you care and that you're trying, you're just trying to you know to push them as you know as a workhorse, you know, they got to understand that you understand what they're going through. Um, so that's just another way that you could use that and not even be directly related to, Hey, are you going to, this going to help your fastball? Is this going to help you, you know, develop as a person, as an athlete, and, you know, make you better. You know, we got to make them better in all aspects of, of the game, not just what, what's on the field. You mentioned nutrition a little bit earlier. Is that something that you educate the guys on or, or did you have somebody else do that? Well, I was fortunate at Ashland. We, we had, we had a team nutritionist. That's where it got started. Um, and then we had one here at Eastern. Um, difference between Ashland and Eastern is Eastern had the nutrition center right in the weight room. Um, they had a iPad so you can you can track, you know, if they're swiping what they're getting. But we had TV saying, you know, take this before, take this post. We give them 15 minutes to get, you know, you know nuts, berries or whatever um, pre and then post. You can go right there and, and get your protein, get your milk, get your smoothie, whatever that was. At Ashland, you had to kind of you know, we had to monitor that a little bit more. You had to say, hey, go eat this in the cafeteria. Hey, we need, you know, stay away from these foods. Um, but it educated me more being at a Division two level, having to do that stuff on my own, where I had to learn it. Um, where I felt like, like I said, I'd take less hats at Eastern because they were able to do that for me. But, you know, we wanted to stay away from certain foods the, the day after we pitched, the day of we pitched. Uh, we want to stay away from certain things right after we pitched. We wanted well, What to- would be an example of that? Of, of like the things pitch. that you you said you'd want them to stay away from after they pitched or before they pitched, like what would that Perfect. be? I'm just curious. I think that people would be interested to hear in that. Yeah, so we we tried to you know right after you pitch, you want to stay away from all like the 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 meats, the wings, the burgers, the 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 pizzas, the the kind of the good stuff that you know probably that I was doing when I was throwing. Man, I, I would pitch and I go get a burger and then get some wings with my dad, drink some pop, you know whatever it was, literally the absolute worst thing. I, that stuff wasn't around and it, when I played. It wasn't that, that long ago. 
you know, once you throw, your body breaks down. So they, they want you to get some type of, you know, Gatorade as soon as you get done, you know, refuel with that. But you want to eat more so fish, tuna, um, kind of berries, more of that kind of stuff versus getting a, a burger and, and pizza because that has stuff that's going to help you, you know, you know, recover it, you know, right after. Uh, then, be, then vice versa, before uh, we looked at caffeine, everyone, you see the energy drinks, you see the bangs, you see the monsters. Um, there's a strategic way to, to use that before you play. Um, and they want that to be consumed, you know, in their pregame routine, some of the stuff we do with the mental game, but you want that to be consumed an hour prior to incident performance. So you're going to perform at six o'clock, five o'clock, you get that bang, you get that, you get that Red Bull or whatever it was. So it's kind of like that coffee is going to have elapsed time to go through your system, but that's going to help increase peak performance um, just by taking that caffeine intake. Then a night before you want to, you know, kind of have a bigger meal. You want to do the carbs, you want to do the meats, you want to do the pizzas, you know, to have that energy stored um, to get ready to go um, kind of day of the game. So they would recommend them having the the Red Bulls and the energy drinks like they wanted them to do that? Well, not that they wanted. It's just it's, it's proven that caffeine um, helps increase energy, focus and all types of performances. You look at all the pre-workout stuff. You look at you know, all the studies with that. The problem is that if they, they abuse it and they don't hydrate and they do it too close to performance, then you get the jitters and you get the upset stomachs. Like if you don't have a snack in between that, we'd have, you know, granola bars and, you know, little fruit snacks and stuff in a dugout um, where we would try to say, Hey, in about the fifth inning, if you're a starter, get into the granola bar. Um, you know, try to use that stuff to give you a little bit extra energy because you're just focused on trying to increase your body to get more energy. And this stuff just, it, it, it works, but it's not guaranteed to say, Hey, you're going to get an extra mile per hour in fastball or whatever it is, but it's all set up. It's all, compiled to say, hey, this is what you should do in your routine throughout the game to give you the best chance to perform at your best. That's all you, you can do as a coach is give these guys the tools. And then when they roll the ball out there, it's all them. Like, I don't throw a single pitch. I don't you know drink a single Red Bull for them. It's just saying, hey, this is how you would do that once you once you have these tools. What are you what are you doing uh, during the game? Like when you, I know, obviously, I'm sure you're charting some stuff and things like that. But when, when pitchers are out in the mound, and they're maybe they're throwing well, maybe they're not throwing well. Like, what are some things that that you've learned over your career to to do during the game to help pitchers, and then maybe to not do too? Yeah, my coaching style is just get out the way, man. Game days um, are for them. Um, I'm hard on them in practice. I demand a lot. I got high standards. I believe that everything up to that point, um, I have them prepared um, for that. Um, I do call pitches but I let them shake. They got to be 100% confident um, kind of in that. But during the game, you won't see me uh, interact too much with the guys. They, they maybe will talk to me like, Hey, this ain't working or Hey, you know, what, what were we trying to do there? Or um, my change up say, really feeling good. Just kind of giving me that kind of feedback. But for the most part, it's like um, I do a lot of our mental game stuff with the team. I was like, let's get locked in. Let's get in that green. You know, don't worry about me. Give me everything you got. And then tomorrow we'll, we'll assess what happened. Um, you know, some stuff's going on. I got to do a mountain visible talk or I'll come to him in the dugout, but it's just very calm. I'm never going to yell at them on the field. Um, I want to make sure that they, you know, know I support them and believe in them. But I, I really game days in the dugout. It's just looking at the scouting report, making sure my picture's all right. You know, looking ahead, thinking ahead, matchups, you know, left and right, reading data, trying to predict that kind of stuff. But for, from a performance standpoint, is making sure he's okay, he's healthy, and um, you know, 
it's within pitch count and we're executing. So, yeah, I try to try to just get out the way during during that. One of the things that that I would always hear coaches complain about back when I was playing and and even just watching guys coaches, how long certain pitchers it would take them to get warmed up. So, how quickly do like would and would you? want to get pitchers to a point where they can get warmed up within a certain amount of minutes. Like what, what should players or pitchers be who are listening to this? How long should it take them before you're like, okay, we're sending you into the game. Yeah. You just gotta, that's where relationships, everyone talks about being, um, having relationships with your players. You just gotta know, you gotta know that this guy takes a long time. So if you're going to plan on using them, you'd be like, Hey man, Third inning. I know it takes you three innings to get ready to go down there and do whatever you need to do. I don't know if you're going in the game, but you're hot today. And the other guys I can call down on the walkie and be like, hey, I need you ready in a batter. And they can do it. Um, you know, I make them write out their routines from, you know, starters, relievers. Um, I have them talk about how many pitches it takes. I made, make them know how many pitches they get in between innings so they can leave the bullpen and know that they get eight more pitches once they get out there, and they can count those eight pitches for them to get ready. So they just got to be eight pitches away to enter the game. And some guys can do that. Some guys, you know, they really need some more time, but you got to really know your guys with that. And you, when I have them do these routines, I have them give me the feedback and write down what is our mentality? What is the purpose of this routine? We have a two-out routine in the dugout. You know, what are we thinking? You know, what's our plan? Where's our head at? You know, some of that stuff. So I try to teach them that stuff before we're in that moment. So when we get in that moment and I'm on the walkie, I'm like, hey, two batters, this and that we need, or hey, do this, do that. I know that they're ready because I know they can repeat back, you know, what our principles are, what we got to do, or I know that he's a fast guy to get ready. He's a, he's a longer guy because we practiced that. That's where I say I have them prepared before the game. So in the moment, it's just, hey, this is what we're doing. And if you can't do it, if you're not ready, let me know and we'll figure it out. So. Yeah, the routines are so important to have. I mean, I mean, I know it's more so from the hitting side, but I'm sure from the pitching side, it's the exact same thing. What What are some examples of some routines, and then how do you go about helping players find a routine if, if they're coming in as a freshman and then they have no idea what to do? Right, so I work with the, the hitters too, kind of on the mental side um, okay. with routines and stuff like that. But it's all about staying in the green. You know, we, we use uh, the traffic light kind of analogy with it. So pre-pitch is one we will start with. We got pre-pitch, you got um, two outs, you got uh, in between innings, um, what you're throwing, uh, then you got your release um, when something goes bad. But for the most part, pre-pitch, you know, you want to stay in the green as much as possible. So you got to teach them how to do that. You don't just kind of kind of tell them, like, what does the green mean? So we, we sit down in the fall. And this takes time. It's not going to be like a one practice thing. You got to say, what is your best moment? What is your best performance? You know, look, go back and tell me, was it against Oklahoma State? Was it against, you know, whoever in high school? And think of what you're feeling. Think of what you were doing. Think of the surroundings. Were you, were you breathing calm? Were you doing this and that? So we always try to figure out what the green feels like. And we got to try to repeat that feeling. Um, so within that, we have what we call a trigger. And that is what is kind of your yellow light. So when you're, in the yellow, that is going to be off the mound, like right behind it. That is where you you, you think. Um, when you're in the green, there is no thinking. It's just sign, go. But you go from the green to the yellow. Yellow, you are thinking. Um, so maybe something happened. Maybe something's starting to spiral out of control. But you got to be in that think zone, and that's we use that right behind the mound. So if you would draw a mound, the mound itself would be the green light, the green, 
And right behind it, we have like a, a box saying, this is your yellow and that's your think zone. And that's your, you know, when you get any develop a plant, you know, things ain't too bad yet. We just got to slow down. We got to breathe, whatever that is. And then you got to have something physically that triggers you to get into that green. So we use a lot of the guys we use just wiping the mound with their foot. You wipe it two, three times until you're, you're ready to go. And once you, that slate's clean, you step into the green. So if things are going really bad, then we go into the red. The red is going to be kind of remove yourself from space. You're going to be off the mound. This is kind of you give up a home run or there's an error or it's a three ball count. Or you just walked a couple of guys like that is where you really got to slow some things down. Kind of within that, you want to have some positive self-talk. and You got to go back to that game and say, you know, what was I thinking? What was I doing? You know, what was what's my why? I have them write stuff in their hats. I had them. You know, Eastern, we're able to customize gloves. You know, what's your why? Why are you here? Why are you playing? So in the red, you got to think something bigger than baseball. You got to transition that thought and say, hey, this is for grandpa. You know, he passed away when she was here. You know, it's just just a home run. Okay. Breathe. We make them do two deep breaths on each zone. And then you physically have to throw something away. So you're in the red, throw it down, boom, relax, get back into the yellow, breathe into the green. So there's kind of a, a process that will lay out and go through that stuff. But every, every part of each routine, you got to have, you know, kind of a focal point where you're staring, you're, you're getting away, trying to lock in, trying to slow some things down. That's where the glove and the writing comes full, comes in. You got to have a removal of space. You got to have where you're thinking, you're not thinking, you got to be able to breathe and then have some of the physical that transitions you from each zone back into the green. So it's not just going right from red to green. You got to go from red into the yellow, then the green. So, we teach them how to do that. We lay it out. We have them, they have them write it out um, so you can get that feedback, who's understanding it. Um, and then you can use those three kind of or four kind of areas in each part of your routines that you're doing um, with that. How did you learn all that? Well, that was uh, at Ashland, man. We had a uh, sports psychologist, Dr. Ickes. Um, I was around it. You know, I played for five years and then I coached there for seven. So I had 12 years with, with just kind of sitting. And that's just kind of the tip of an iceberg with it. But where I've really learned how to do it is when you have to do that, then you have to go teach it. So the last couple of years, I didn't have Dr. Ickes. In Eastern, we really didn't have a whole lot of uh, sports psychology available. Um, so it was kind of me um, preaching the stuff that he he's, he's done. So I try to map it out where I take a little bit of those areas. I know I kind of ran through it in a nutshell, but it's very detail-oriented. And you got to do one kind of – like today at practice, we're going to do green light. Tomorrow, we're going to do yellow then we're going to do red and then we're going to do um, it all together. And that's just going to be kind of, kind of your, your routine. And then we're going to go over how to breathe. Then we're going to go over how to visualize, you know, mm. our mentality is get outs fast and keywords fast. Everything we do is fast. And I like to use NASCAR as the example, because they can go fast and still be in control. So you got to put them in, in positions where they have to think fast, where it's high stress. And I got to teach you how to be in control, you know, Things are going to spiral out of control in every game, but like we're going to be trained that, you know, we're going to be above that level so that we can always be in that moment and be in control when things gets, gets tough. I always say control the chaos. That's a military thing. Some of the leadership stuff that we have done, but you got to teach them how to do it, do that. You got to put them in positions at practice where it's like, Hey, this is a high stress situation. What are you thinking? What are you going to do to get back? Okay. You just missed on the last three pitches. What is your routine? Can you do it in 10 seconds? You, you don't have a whole lot of time. I talk about all this stuff. It takes 30 minutes to practice and we practice and I'm saying, Hey, you got to learn this in eight to 10 seconds. Okay. Grandpa, breathe, move a little space, throw down the rosin bag. Let's go. Um, you know, that, that gets you from red all the way back into the green. 
So it's 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 a process and it takes time, but you got to have that prepared before the game. And it, you know, you got to do that in a classroom setting, or you got to do that in a bullpen during batting practice. You know, utilize that time instead of having shag shag BP. You know, that's what, something you could do, and you can work on that stuff. That right there is two weeks of, of practice, and instead of taking that forty minutes shagging. You have them breathing. You have them laying down. You have them doing you know, dry reps on the mound um, in the pen to to you know, practice that routine. And it, there's no throwing. There's no nothing. But you know, it's maximizing time. And, you know, teaching these guys how to control themselves first because they you want command. You want to be able to throw strikes. But if they can't have their head in the game or they can't control their bodies or their breathing, they can't they can't perform. So I take a lot of pride in trying to get those guys ready to roll. And that, that's some of the stuff that, that that we would implement. Just an example as a as a routine and a release. Yeah, and all that stuff, it's so important. I mean, it's something that, I mean, I can't even, I know earlier I was at, we were talking about technology and, you know, TrackMan and graphs and all that stuff. And all that stuff's great and all, but if you really want to impact and develop players, like it, the stuff that you just talked about, the red light, yellow light, green light, I know that's kind of like the system that, that you help build, but really just the overall mental side of the game. If you can help players with that, you're going to see all those charts getting better. I can promise you, you know, you're going to see their numbers getting better. So I, I am a hundred percent on board with, with everything you're saying. I, I love it. I mean, I think, I think that if, you know, continuing to talk about ways to help players with the mental side of the game and pitching, hitting, whatever it may be, I think it's, is huge for, for up and coming players. What is, what's something that you used as a player when you were at Ashland? I know you said, um, when you were there, you worked with the uh, forget what his name was, but you worked with him too. Well, what was something that that you that resonated with you when you were a player that helped you on the mental side of the game? Right. So even when I talked to my guys, um, I was like, "You got to understand who you are, where you come from, you know, why you're here, what motivates you." You know, as a motivated man's a dangerous man. Um, so you got to dig deep down, like why are you playing? Um, you know, what what's what fires you up a little bit? And you know, so. Once you kind of understand who you are, you're like, hey, that builds you kind of your life around that. Like, I come from a small town. My dad, um, you know, raised me and my brother, a single parent. Like, everything I wanted once I realized that was to kind of get out of town and, and you know, like make sure I had a better life and, and that I could prove everyone wrong that said maybe, you know, I wasn't going to be X, Y, and Z. Like, my dad was always like, go, go, you know, have a better life. I'll get you through it, you know, things like that. So I did, you know, he played a huge part of my life is my dad, and he made sure I didn't struggle. But he was like, you got to understand, you know, keep moving forward. Life's bigger than, than, you know, Richmond, Ohio. And so, you know, what's my why? I rode to my hat. I was like, prove everyone wrong. Um, so anytime something came off, you know, I just looked at my hat and just kind of fired me up because I started thinking about, you know, some of the stuff. And I wasn't, a, you know, the best kid growing up, you know, but I had to learn and I learned from a lot of mistakes and, you know, I got to where I was and that was just kind of my driving motivation. And it still is. I, I still want to be, you know, am I good enough to be a, you know, division one coach? Um, I'm in a situation that I'm in, but you know, it's always about self-worth. Am I good enough to be a husband to my wife? It, it is the stuff that I believe in good enough to impact and help another team win. So you got to know who you are. And that's one of the things that I did. I wrote prove everyone wrong um, in my hat. I always had that. Uh, whether it was right or wrong, but that was just kind of my thing. And, you know, I I had to go see him a couple of times. One of my, my sophomore year, I had a rough start. I was 0-4. And I was like, Doc, what's going on? Everything's clicking. I'm feeling good, but I'm not performing. Um, and we made a mechanical change, and he was just like, what are you thinking when you're in the green? 
And I'm like, I'm thinking step here. I'm thinking look here. I'm thinking pick up my target here. I'm thinking I'm talking to myself, you know, all the, all the tips and stuff that I'm changing mechanically. He's like, when you're in the green, you just got to go, bud. You, you can't talk to yourself, you know, when you're in that green moment. So I had to learn to separate that yellow to that green and, and not talk to myself in those ways. Because if you're going to talk to yourself, it's got to be positive. It's got to be, hey, I'm going to get this guy. It's, it's not don't walk this guy. You know, it's that kind of stuff you know, when you're talking to yourself, but you got to do that in that yellow. And I was trying to do it all in that green and I was just losing focus on where the ball was. So once Doc helped me, helped me do that, I had my routine, I had my why, you know, I started doing, doing a lot better. And I, I learned that as a sophomore, as a player. And, you know, I always had him as a resource just to go talk to him. So that's some of the stuff that I would use. Yeah. So when you get on the mound, like you come set the mound or you're getting ready to start your wind up, that all the time when that happens, like you're in the green. Yeah, absolutely. So as soon as you stand on that rubber, all you're just thinking is, hey, I got you see your sign. Um, we used the Pitchcom watches this year, which was awesome, by the way. But you, you get the sign and you maybe have a small second to visualize, OK, where is that going to go? How do I see that? Where am I starting it? Breathe and go. I mean, that is all it is. You know, maybe if it's a, if it's a self-talk. But once you take that rocker step or take that first movement, you're not thinking, you're not doing, you're trusting those thousands and thousands and thousands of reps of you, you've, you've done throughout your life to deliver that pitch because your mechanics and worrying about this, this, and that, in that moment, you call it, it's called instant performance. You know, it's 0.3 seconds. We do things where it's head to head, where we have them compete for five seconds and three seconds and then one second. And I was like, in that moment, you can beat anybody on the planet. It's yeah. Instant performance. You know, you can be better than anybody. You're that confident in that, that short amount of time. So that is all you're thinking about is, you know, this is my best stuff. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to go. Love that. Aaron, I appreciate, first of all, you coming on today. It's been a ton of fun. Um, so I, I know, you know, we were talking before even off air and you just finished this past, the past two years as the pitching coach at, at Eastern Michigan. And man, just looking over some of your, your numbers and your, your resume, it's, you got, I mean, you, you crushed it up there. You guys did awesome from a pitching standpoint. So we'll, we'll make sure to, to um, add all your contact and info to the, the show notes for any college coaches out there who are looking for a, a pitching coach and a, a great pitching coach and in, in yourself. So if there's anything else we can do to, to help you, would be more than happy to, but appreciate you coming on. Love the, love the content. I think the, what you talked about on the mental side of the game is it's, that was awesome. That was incredible right there. Um, that's going to help out a ton of players and coaches. So appreciate that. And um, again, man, just appreciate you for coming on. No, I, I appreciate you. I, I think, you know, in, in this time of my life, it's been tough and it, the support has been been unbelievable. I, I, I've heard from so many people who I didn't even really realize I had impact on or, or contacts with. And they're all reaching out to help. They're all saying, you know, we're going to get this figured out. And, uh, you know, I, I grew so much this past year more as a person. And, and this is just another, you know, dealing with adversity having these guys to show the, the support and you know i really appreciate this and i enjoy this man if you ever want to talk more different topic you know i got i would love to, to help you um it's not more just helping me you know not it's not a transactional thing it's, it's let's, let's do this together and see if we can we can you know help each other and, and get some more stuff out there so we have more contact and you know maybe this will help some other coach down the road that's struggling too that's going through some stuff and you know they can see pick up some tools or reach out and I'd be happy to talk to, to whoever. So that's the kind of guy I am. I'm excited. 
let's see what happens. Um, a lot of opportunities moving forward, but you know, thank you. Uh, we ready for war. Never back down. Give me some more. We came for the title, killing the game, dead on arrival. No mercy for rivals. This is for glory. This is our story. This is the future. This is my time. I grind and shine. I put in the work and push the line.